Okay, welcome to Fruiting Body Podcast with your host, Brendan. Today, we have an absolute legend of a guest. It is the Kettlebell King, Peter Fornek. Um, we're going to dive into his whole story of how he came to Germany, to Phuket, Tiger Muay Thai, now up in the Bangtao area, Bangtao Muay Thai and MMA. Um, but before we get started, we are a medicinal mushroom located on the island of Phuket. We'll be launching products. It is now almost October 1st. I think we're going to be launching officially. I know it's been a year and a half. Um, around, uh, I'm going to say December for Christmas. Those products will be on Lazada. We'll have our website. It'll be pumping on the Instagram. We're going to be doing giveaways. It's going to be, I almost swore it's going to be awesome. Um, now, don't forget to hit like, subscribe. It helps us out in the algorithm. It's going to keep launching us up. We are the biggest podcast in Thailand, and we're going to keep holding that title. So let's get this pro. Uh, let's get this started without further ado. Oh, and as we're switching our format, this is a two-part episode. This is part one you're watching now, if that's on live on Tuesday or being launched on Tuesday. The second part will be released on Thursday at 6 p.m. Uh, Bangkok, Thailand time. So look out for that. It's the same podcast. We're splitting it into two. Uh, we got a lot of requests from our viewers on that. So this way it's easier to digest. So let's get this started with the King of Kettlebells, Peter. Thanks a lot for joining us, Peter. Um, we'll keep it casual again. Uh, so, uh, well, I guess we'll tell a little bit about like who, how we met. Uh, you're now, are you officially now over at Bangtao? Are, are we allowed yeah, to talk so, about uh, that? Yeah, so I moved to Bangtao a good year ago, yeah. like during COVID, uh, obviously to keep training with my coaches, with the boys. And uh, I will start from um, October on. I'm going to run a kettlebells and conditioning class three times a week, probably Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So we're going to increase the schedule. Yeah, there's a lot going on over there now. They're expanding, the gym's going, um, in terms of the expanding the jiu-jitsu, expanding the SNC area. Um, so beginning October 1st, will there be some sort of, like the schedule will be released that like I, I'll be able to join those classes? Yes, so I assume uh, today, tomorrow, our team will yeah, yeah give, some, uh, give some notice on social media. We increase the fitness schedule more and more towards the high season. So from next week on, we got the 9 a.m., right? Yeah. We got the 9 a.m. We're going to add me on 12.30 for now, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, and then we got the 5 p.m. class. So, Yeah, it's a lot, and it's going to diversify it as well. Instead of just doing the hit and SEC, uh, S&C, you can try the kettlebell. We exactly. heard yoga's coming, maybe a 7.30 a.m. class. Uh, it's coming. It's a lot of stuff is coming. You got to check out Bengtao Muay Thai and MMA. Um, I'm there. I try to be there five days a week unless my girlfriend's here and stuffing my face. I, every time she comes, I put on 10 pounds. Isn't that right, A? Yeah, she knows. Um, so like on the Fruiting Body podcast, we're going to be talking a bit about the journey of Peter and yourself. Well, obviously yourself. Um, let's bring it way back and connect that all to you coming to Phuket. Tell us a little bit about your childhood. Where did you come from and what's your story? Um, okay, big story. So uh, I grew up in a very small town uh, right next to forest uh, fields. And um, this is, oh, and for, because we know Germany, guys. Yeah. Germany, Germany exactly. Yes. Germany. So um, probably the, the next biggest city you would know is Cologne. Yep. So kind of close to uh, the border to Netherlands. And a uh, small town, we got like two and a half thousand people living there. You know everyone, you say hello to everyone. And um, yeah, as, as every German boy, I started playing 
football, like football, not soccer, right? Real football. Bayern Munich. Exactly, Bayern Munich. Uh, every small boy is a Bayern Munich fan, by the way. And when we grew up, we realized uh, that there are also other cool teams. And yeah. just to pick the winning team is not always the best idea. Anyway, so, um, yeah, small town. Uh, was always, I got a sister. Uh, we were pretty much the opposite. She could talk very early. I was the one just bubbling, but I could run around. I was climbing the trees and uh, always a very active kid. So uh, my first sport mm. um, was football, yeah. And um, my family, especially my father, was very much into motorbiking. So that was my new sport. My dad always wanted me to, to become a motorbike rider. Uh, so I started driving motocross when I was eight years old. My mom was big times against it. Sure. Uh, as so many things, right? Moms, moms are a little bit more protective. And uh, yeah, my, on my eighth birthday, we started riding motocross. My Did dad you keep and me. that going into your teens? And is, th or is this something even you still do in Phuket? Because from my understanding, I have a lot of buddies here doing motocross. Yeah. And apparently Phuket's like one of the best spots in Asia for that. Um, that's what I heard. That's what I thought. Uh, I was never riding motocross in a competitive way. So my father and me went to uh, motocross tracks on the weekend just to drive. Um, but we did a lot of off-road driving. So mm. the first thing my father told me is, don't tell anyone of your friends what we do on Sundays. If we get, if someone tries, like a ranger, try to stop us in the forest, don't stop. Never take off your helmet. And uh, it's pretty cool. My, my, my dad was a cool guy. The first thing he taught me on the motocross bike is how to do a 180 spin. Yeah. So if someone tries to stop us, a ranger in this case, because it's obviously illegal, I don't have a driver license. It's a motocross bike that has no license to, to drive on the road. And um, yeah, we came a couple of times in a situation where I had to do this spin and we, we pretty much just drove off. Was it that that it was illegal to be driving around in these, these areas in Germany? So you are obviously... In my age, with age, you're not allowed to be participating in the normal traffic, right? So you need a driver license. Yeah. You need to be at least 16 to ride a smaller motorbike in Germany. Or f I think 15, you can drive a scooter. Um, but you are allowed to drive on uh, private property or on, on a motocross track. Yeah. And uh, the forest is not a private property. So it was illegal, yeah. So you're... As a kid, you're quite active, and yeah. as we we had some beers the other night over at uh, Alex's birthday party. Yeah, happy super belated birthday, Alex! Um, from from the gym as well. And when we were chatting over there, you're telling me that y you got into now it's kind of like sports life science type of uh, programs into university. Mm -hmm. So that that growing up active and connecting that again into the sports side. How did you make that decision to kind of move forward as that will be your path of life? Um, I, ha I have to be honest, that was never a decision. Um, I started adding strength training for the first time into my, let's call it daily or weekly routine when I was 13 years old. Uh, as most of young men, at one point we get in a situation where you have a fight, right, mm. growing up. And uh, I was 13 just... Leaving my small town, I had to go for the first time to a bigger city. And um, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks in doing that, I had my first street fight. Three guys came around. Long story short, they punched me. Yeah. And I kind of had to apologize for being in their way. And 
that really that really triggered my ego. So I came home. I remember it was close to Christmas. I was talking to my dad. I need a uh, a bench. I need a barbell. I need dumbbells. I need a boxing bag. I need all that stuff to start training. Uh, so I started training. My childhood room was suddenly a gym, and um, then it was kind of a a natural growth. People then friends started asking me, hey, "I want to train with you." So I never. Till today, I never really sold a PT. People always come to me and ask, hey, can I train with you? Can I learn from you? So um, strength training, 13 years old. I wanted to do, to do martial arts, Muay Thai, very early, but my mom was very against it. There is still, or back then, there was something like a cliche that only gangsters or bouncers from the red light district do boxing or Muay Thai. So I had to wait till I'm 16 to ride a motorbike to the big city. Um, so I started Mu uh, Muay Thai when I was 16. And that was also the time me watching Jean-Claude Van Damme training in Thailand in the jungle, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where the dream started to grow. Yo, I want to I wanna do Muay Thai and I want to train in the jungle. And uh, that was also the first time where I found out about Tiger Muay Thai. You start checking YouTube. At 16? At 16, yes. Wow. And um, back then, the first coach I saw at uh, training at, uh, and working at Tiger was Kru O. You, you know Kru O? He's doing the Moi, ba Moi yeah. Boran and Krabi Krabong yeah. and traditional yeah. tattoos. And I saw him and I thought like, wow, I want to I wanna learn from this man. I want to listen to him. He sounded like a... Like a guru. Uh, like a Mr. Miyagi type, yeah, type yeah. of coach, right? Mm. So um, long story short, finished, finished high school and decided uh, to become a teacher, actually. So I wasn't sure what to do um, after high school. I went to the military for two years. Liked that a lot, but in that time I was at the military. We had... Um, was, that was, re was that required? It's not required in Germany to go? or Not anymore. So I was one of the last okay. generations who had to do it, nine months. Um, but I decided I want to stay a little longer. I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, we had the choice between you do some public service, um, delivering food to elderly people, or you join the military. So I joined the military and um, great experience. I can recommend that to everyone, every young man. I also understand everyone who doesn't want to join the military. But to get back to the question, mm. back then I actually wanted to stay and make a career in the military. But we had a lot of, um, a lot of soldiers die in, in Afghanistan in that time that I was in the military. And it was far away. But that for me was the first time getting in in contact with war and death. Even so, I'm, I'm still in Germany, right? Um, because we had uh, messages coming into our barracks, uh, we're getting attacked, people are under fire, soldiers are wounded, dying. And um, I had that one situation where an officer called me and he booked uh, two rooms in our barracks. So uh, I had to prepare the keys because I was doing the security part at night. I had to prepare keys and uh, for him and his, uh, his, his officer, whatever it was, I forgot his name. But I met a lot of cool people. We had a beer, we had a barbecue, talking a lot. And um, so he booked a room because in, in, in my city there was a lot of education for soldiers and we had the biggest hospital, military hospital. Then a week later the same soldier called me and, and canceled the, the rooms because the officer um, who wanted to come was one of the soldiers who died in that period of time. 
in Afghanistan. So that really hit me because that was like reality. Playing war is one of the coolest things you can do. Like if it's on the computer or you go play paintball, right? We boys like that kind of stuff. But then I realized, yo, this is no, there's no joking around. That is no fun. And I realized I will never meet this person. I will not give him a key. I will not shake his hand. I will not have a beer with him and, and talk about life, right? So I decided, okay, um, I want to move on. I want to do something different. And I want to become a sport and math teacher, sport and mathematics. I was studying that for two years. Also realized that that's not the right move for me. I like the job as a teacher, but the system you are in is very difficult in Germany. It's very, it's already structured. There's no room for your creative input. First of all, that, um, I still enjoyed that because you obviously can give a lot with your personality to the kids. And for me, my coaches and my teachers were always the most important man in my life. I learned so much from them, right? With your father, how much time do you really spend with your dad? You see him for breakfast, for, for dinner, and then maybe on the weekends. But with your coaches and teachers, if you have, if you have good ones, you can learn a lot. Um, but I had that one situation where the kid's not listening and I, and I say, okay, everyone, shut up, go down and do some push-ups. So we were doing push-ups and everyone was loving it. They came to me, oh, Mr. Fornick, um, I want to become strong, I want to build some muscle, what can I do at home? Cool. Told them what to do. A couple of weeks later, one mom calls the school and says, uh, her son has pain in, in his arms, sore muscle. And... Um, the teacher, my supervisor for my internship at the school, was telling me, Pete, I love what you do, but you got to understand, if I tell you to do something and you're not listening to me, and I tell you to do push-ups, it's, it's in the same category than me hitting you. It's like, I think physical education would be the wrong term, but mm. I, use, I use your body to teach you something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's pretty much me being almost in jail uh and yeah and it's i didn't want it to to be in that environment you know yeah and it's just uh, it's still it's quite i mean you can turn any perspective into whatever you want it's it's a little bit of nonsense but of, of what they're telling you at that level yes. but I, I i get it too they're probably that this is probably mm. that age where you know things were starting to change in the systems as well i mean we were all getting a little bit soft around those Ab times absolutely and um yeah so then i made the decision to uh switch my subjects at university. I was at the German Sport University in Cologne. And I moved to a switch to sport and performance. So it was all about how can I make you stronger, faster, jump higher with training, nutrition, and all the way to performance-enhancing drugs. So that's all we talked about. Was there a, a goal or a connection to Thailand at this point? Or was it still, you know, let me, let me finish my degree and then I'll figure it out? So... I figured already out that, like I told you, I did a lot of sport. And at university, you have to swim. I was snowboarding. I was rowing. I had to climb, track and field, all kinds of sport we had to play. And I enjoyed them a lot, but I felt for myself that strength training and martial arts are the two things I want to keep in my, in my life. And um, I liked all the other sports, but I was thinking, why should I be a strength and conditioning coach for, let's say, football, tennis, golf, handball? Uh, those are the sports that are very popular in Germany. When my heart is actually beating for martial arts, but 
I grew up and, and most of the boys grew up like this who did martial arts back then, that strength training makes you slow, you lose your flexibility, and we don't do this in martial arts. So I wasn't sure if, when was that, that was 2010, 12, if there's a job like this, strength and conditioning coach for, for fighters. And um, then everything slowly fall in place. I told you I had that teen dream from training in the jungle, doing Muay Thai like Jean-Claude Van Damme did. And um, my university offered me a scholarship to go to Melbourne, Australia. So I went there, studied one semester uh, sport psychology. And on the way back, I knew I'm going to fly over Thailand. So it was kind of clear I have to make a stop there, spend a few weeks, live my, my teen dream. And um, I wanted to see if there is a job, strength and conditioning coach for fighters. And actually, I was, I was writing something like a travel book while I was in, in Melbourne. And August 2014, I wrote down, I'm going to be a strength and conditioning coach at Tiger Muay Thai. I wrote that in that book to kind of give me a direction. Came over January 15 for the first time. Uh, six weeks training. I was preparing for an amateur fight in Germany. And straight away I fall in love uh, with the island, with the people, with the culture. Um, with Tiger Muay Thai, I met Woody, who was the head coach back then. And um, it was clear I, I have to come back. Now, you were training for Muay Thai, correct? Not MMA. Muay Thai, exactly. With that goal in mind and coming over to Tiger Muay Thai, initially, was it more or less just to see, hey, what's going on over here? What's the atmosphere? What's the environment? Um, and doing some training, but kind of in the back of your mind, it's like, how can I get in here as well? Um, yes. So at the beginning, I thought, okay, I'm going to, like my dreams, so I want to have my own gym. I want to work in Germany. I want to have, I don't know, boxing is very big. Kickboxing is pretty big in Germany where I'm from. So I wasn't thinking of going to Thailand. But once I've been here and I felt how good it feels to, to live here, um, after I came back, it was like March, March 2015, I was dreaming every night about Thailand. And um, a year later, I made a... Yeah, a decision overnight. I have to. I have to book a return flight. I have to go again. So, 2016, February, March, April, I came again to Tiger with the idea to shake hands, show people who I am, and ask for a job. So uh, I came, and back then I thought, "Wow, Woody is giving me an opportunity to teach every Saturday um, a class at Tiger Motai. and that was a big opportunity because I could show. Uh, I could show who I am and, and that I can actually deliver something good, put something to the table for the team. But uh, now looking back, I think he just wanted to have his Saturday off, you know, <laughs> <laughs> as I know that's, him. That's probably fair enough to yeah. say. Um, to paint that picture, so you, you've came, you've trained. This is 2014. 15, yeah. 2015, you've trained. Now you're have, going to training for a fight in Germany. In Germany, yeah. Did you have that fight? Yeah. As well? So uh, you, you have that fight. Now you're dreaming again to kind of come back to Tiger Muay Thai. Between that gap, are you saving up money, working a job so that you can at least, you know, have some flexibility once you got here? Because mm -hmm. again, you're kind of, you're mm -hmm. coming here uh, to train and hoping for the best that you can get a job. Financially, how did you kind of piece that all together? <clears throat> Good question. So 
I still didn't have a plan. Uh, I just came back 2015 and I knew I want to go again. Now, one year later, I went again for two, two months. And Woody told me, listen up, come by the end of the year and we see what we can do. That's what was, was his message. And I was pretty much in the last one or two semesters of my um, bachelor degree. And um, I, was, I was thinking, how can I do that? And I applied for a second scholarship um, to, to write my bachelor thesis at Tiger Muay Thai. Mm. And that scholarship supported me for a full six months in Thailand. So they, they paid for my flight, one-way ticket. By the way, back then I paid... 280 euros and now it's like I don't know 1500 yeah. for return and uh, one way was 280 euros anyway so I applied for a scholarship I went to uh, Thai classes evening school I did everything I can do to get that scholarship and um, I got it came over to Tiger Muay Thai um, or before that I prepared to, to put my life into a, uh, into a shoebox leave it in my mom's uh, cellar sold everything I can sell uh, sell come over here and I wrote my bachelor thesis about martial arts tourism, which is actually a pretty pretty interesting topic, um, which connected to my spot psychology in Melbourne and to my own experience because no one back home, family, friends, and people around me could understand why would you ever go to Thailand, which is a paradise, and pay money to get punched and kicked 35 degrees uh, why wouldn't you get an all-inclusive holiday chilling on the beach or at the pool bar drinking your margaritas and relax, right? So no one could understand this. So the question I wanted to answer in that, in that bachelor thesis is, first of all, what kind of people come here for martial art tourism? Because still everyone thinks you have to be a professional fighter or you have to be some kind of an aggressive person, a, a, a criminal or a bouncer, right? That's, that's what people at least back then, thought. And um, so I want to show that this is not the case. And I want to answer the question, what is the motivation behind coming here? Now, once you've landed here, <clears throat> it, again, it's still up in the air. Yeah. What he said, maybe on the Saturday. It was a pretty quick of a transition where you kind of got the go-ahead? Um, or were you, The point of the question is more like, you know, maybe you're waiting a month and, you know, that anticipation, that anxiety is building up. Will I get it? Won't I get it? Because, I mean, I'm assuming the day you got the opportunity to work a Saturday, that Friday night must have felt like Christmas. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, it, it definitely was a big decision. But um, to quote one of my idols... Uh, a lot of the boys going to laugh now because it's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Mm. And he has his six rules of, of success. And um, one of his rules is don't be afraid to fail. And he was talking about like how, how deep can you fail? The, the, the floor is pretty much right here. And I was luckily uh, fortunate enough, uh, first of all, to get that scholarship. I knew I was safe for six months. And I was fortunate enough that I knew that if I come here and I fail, and let's assume I have no money back uh, left in my bank account. I could call my mom. I could call my sister. They would pay a flight. Let me come back home. I could stay in the living room. There will always be food in my fridge. And uh, I have a university degree. And I, I assume I will find a job again. So I was painting the worst case scenario, which would be I stay here at least for a year. That's what I told myself. 
And if I if I have to come home and ask mom, can you fly me home? And I have to stay at home like a like a teenager again for a period of time to. Okay, great. I I take that risk. Yeah, I think a lot of people when they come to Thailand, it's at least it's, it can be a stepping stone to give yourself at least that chance because I think there's there's more pain and regret if you didn't do it. Uh, for sure. I mean, um, I was always <laughs> I was always pretty good in not doing what I don't like to do, and um, it's still one of my rules today. Well, what What do you mean by that? <clears throat> so. I obviously did not grow up having the idea of going to Thailand and become a strength and conditioning coach. And now I, I live a life where a lot of people tell me now, well, Pete, you did everything right. You live in paradise. You're living your dream. But I never had that dream to come here. Like who, like when, you, when you're a kid, I had the idea, okay, I want to become a police officer. I want to become a football uh, superstar, right? Those are the dreams you have as a kid. But uh, that is easier said than done. But throughout my life, I was always just very open to try out a lot of things uh, with sport, for example. And I always kept the things I like and I, I left the things I don't like. And um, uh, <laughs> my, my mom, for example, I am very behind her that she keeps training and, and staying healthy. And for a long time, she was saying, no, I have no time to exercise on Saturday. I have to clean the windows. I said, no, you don't have to. Like, it's nothing you have to do. Yes, she owns that house and she wants to keep it tidy and neat, right? But for me, that was always uh, a metaphor to say, okay, you, you have a choice. Yes, you can clean the windows, but if that's not really something you love and want to do, then why don't you go for a run or go to the gym or ride the bicycle, whatever it is you, you like to do. So um, I found what I want to do by trying out a lot of things and always cutting off what I don't like to do. As you move forward at Tiger Muay Thai, now you get the Saturday class. And as we discussed at the beginning, you're yeah. moving up here to Bangtao uh, Muay Thai and MMA. You'll be running a kettlebell <laughs> class. Can you go through the story of the progression from that day to where you are today in terms of on the, uh, on the workload and what you were doing? Were you taking on? Other jobs at Tiger Muay Thai, were yeah. you getting an SNC class? Can you just walk us through that of what brought you now to this point today? Yeah, so my when I arrived, which was September 2016, so pretty much six years ago, I was pretty much the internship. So I do whatever needs to be done, right? I cover a class, I uh, assist here, I take some workload if someone is sick or on holiday. Uh, and then at some point, uh, I got my own class. Um, what was my first class? Uh, I think it was called Strength and Conditioning. It was a 1 p.m. class where I taught fundamentals, how to deadlift, how to squat, and so on and so on. And um, it took eight months, so eight months I was working for free. Grinding out. yeah, Grinding out, um, trying to to earn my respect. Tiger obviously was great. They, they supported me. I had training for free. At some point I got a food allowance so I could eat. And as I said before, the first six months, I had that scholarship. But what I really liked back then, um, Woody made a real good job of picking the right people to join the team. Like when I got the work contract, um, he, he told me oh, that he didn't let me work for eight months for free because 
Um, he wasn't sure if I'm educated enough or like it was very early clear that people liked my class and that I got along with our customers. But um, he really made sure and he told me, everyone who's in the team is a priority. We only let you in if you fit in. And when do you know that someone fits in? For sure not after a week, right? So we had a long, long process. And um, yeah, eight months later, I got the opportunity to sign the contract. And I said, of course, let's go. Did you see a lot of people similar as yourself try to attempt this path that maybe did not succeed? Where Yes. Um, I'm assuming throughout that, if you did see it, you probably got close to a few of them. Do you have any examples without naming names of the people that may have given up on mm -hmm. their own or maybe given up for other reasons? Yeah, um, I have million examples. Like pretty much everyone who comes here stays a little longer or comes over and over again, they want to figure out a way of staying at least in Phuket, right? And um, if you're into fitness, if you're if you maybe a coach back home, then I cannot imagine anything better than having a job like, like I had at Tiger Muay Thai or now in Bangtao. And um, the most or the number one reason why people did not make it on the team is because they were, they, were not, they were not here or not able to cut their own life. Because let's say, let's assume you come to Tiger and you, you took a break from work and whatever you were doing at home and you stay for three months and we, we realize your Brandon would be the right guy. He fits in the team, he, he knows the stuff. Um, and we tell you, come back and we make it happen. But you don't come back. That is, that is the number one. Like it's, it is very easy to have that, to have that dream, but I l I'm living my dream on a big cost. Mm. I don't see my family. I don't see my friends. They're all getting married. I miss almost every wedding. They're all having kids right now. And they're pretty good in keeping me in contact, but over WhatsApp, right? So it is a big price you pay. And I understand everyone who doesn't want to pay that price. And would I'm assuming you would also see people who would show up and maybe they couldn't do the grind. They would attempt it and they... They wouldn't last as long. Did you see this these this yeah. type of demographic as well? Absolutely. Um, the thing is, it was very. There were so many people in line waiting for a job, and um, there was also, yeah, let's say an, an opportunity of having a free coach or free assistant. And um, how long can you be a free assistant? Again, I was yeah. in a in a fortunate situation at the scholarship, and I had my mom who could support me a little bit. Um, that I could stay there for eight months without having a real income. Yeah. And um, if you don't have that, then what are you going to do? And you might even have still bills to pay in, in your home, home country, right? You have a car, you have insurance, you have maybe uh, still a place you're renting. So money goes down very quick. I had no expenses. I cut everything. Let's paint <coughs> that picture for people that can now, you know, maybe they're living abroad and... Um, if they wanted to budget or calculate or mm. how can you grind in Thailand? And I think anyone that's lived in Asia, um, pretty much, I think mm. it's fair to say that, I mean, I've lived in China. We've at one point we've went to the bare minimum and we've gr we've grinded right through. And I can give that story about China or Taiwan. Um, can you give that story about Thailand just so people can understand, hey, if you really want to come here and live off peanuts and yeah. grind off peanuts, 
this is the cost, and this is how you have to live your lifestyle. What is that lifestyle? What is that cost when you're really grinding it? When you're really grinding it down to save money? Um, well, people are different, and, and your peanuts are maybe not my peanuts, right? But I would say you live a really good life on $1,000 a month. So I'm, I would say I have a, I have a great house, two-bedroom, big kitchen, big living room, front yard, a little bit of a garden, I pay 12,000 baht, which is, let's say, $350-ish. Well, that, that's today, right? That's today, I'm exactly. talking like when you first got here. Like when I first got there, I was yeah. living in a small room for 5,000 baht, yeah. which is, yes. uh, let's say, $150, right? So I was paying $150, and I'm telling you, living in a small room in Thailand is all you need because you just go there to sleep. Like you need a bed and a bathroom. That's all you need. Um, you don't need a kitchen. You don't need to cook at home because you can eat really good for a dollar fifty. You get your chicken rice. Um, I would say, no. The the most expensive things beside partying, it's very easy to spend a lot of money if you go out. Is your gym membership? Like if you wanna if you wanna train in a gym, um, in a high quality gym, you pay up to ten thousand baht a month. If you're now a local or an expat, that becomes way cheaper, but it is a it is a cost you have to pay. And breakfast. I had to realize this. I'm a <laughs> the boys again gonna laugh. I like to have my second breakfast every day, and no one could understand what is a second breakfast because because apparently you only can break fast yeah. once, right? But I just break the fast a second time after two hours. So I like two breakfasts, I like my coffee. And just to give you an idea, you can have good Thai food for 60 baht but you also pay 60 baht for just a coffee. Right. So if you have a breakfast and you drink two coffee, that's already two, two times a lunch. Yeah. So it's, if you want to come here and save money, then cook your coffee and your, I don't know, eggs at home. Yeah, I mean, anyone really looking to grind, and like uh, that's kind of the point of that question of, yeah. uh, you might not even need 40, 50,000 baht a month. I mean, you can find a place for 5,000 baht, and you can probably... I'd say if you really grind, you could probably live off, live off 200 baht a day on food. That's pretty fair. And you could probably go cheaper if you really wanted. I had, I was, I was coaching this one um, Muay Thai fighter at, at Tiger. She was living off 1,000 baht a week. Jesus. Yeah. She was pretty much just eating uh, oats with water and protein powder and every now and then whatever else she was eating. I spend a thousand baht a day. Yeah, it goes quick when you want to eat here. Yeah. Easy. Yeah, I, I spend a thousand baht a day, um, and again, my costs are, are now a little bit higher than before. But if you're alone, you're a single man, I would say a thousand dollars. You live a very good life, and with a very good life, I mean, you eat outside in restaurants three times per day, seven days a week, all year long which is impossible in Germany, impossible. Yeah, it's the only thing you're probably cutting out is just like uh, partying. That, that's the main thing. And then obviously you're not going for a steak dinner, but you're, exactly. you're, you're eating Thai food. Gas <clears> at the end of the day is quite cheap. You're, well, your motorbike's probably going to cost you 3000 baht a month. Yep. But I always tell people that if they move here and you're coming for a year, just buy one because you can go get a good enough motorbike at 20,000 baht off the bat. Easy. And that basically, you know, it's, you better buy it than renting it the full year. Yeah, and then you sell it again before you leave. Exactly. Um, let's move more into the sports and science stuff. Uh, we had this conversation, I think, a couple weeks ago. Um, we won't get too technical, 
but you kind of you d- you did blow my mind on some information that I wasn't so aware of. Mm. And now, is this information you're sharing when you're doing your PTs and possibly just sharing to friends or just in the class? We went into the conversation about the three energy systems. Yeah. Can we talk about that and just explain a little bit more? What does that mean and what does that entail? Yeah. So um, to to answer your first question, yes, I teach. I don't teach it in my group class, but if you have a PT with me, my one of my main goals is to educate you to a point where you don't need me anymore, which might be not the best business idea. But as I'm mainly working with tourists, you come for a month and then you leave. I want to be, I want to get to you, get you to a point where you don't meet, need me next to you, and maybe even don't need a coach at home. So I try to educate you so you kind of know what to do and you can keep training, right? And um, the idea with the energy system um, comes up mainly because a lot of people have that idea of going hard, going all out, uh, puking at the end of a session every day. And that's how they they see success for themselves. If the class session was really hard, the effort was really high and they lie on the ground and they're they about to die, they will call mama and say, yo, this coach is insane. I'm training so hard. But let me tell you, if you puke three times a week, you're not going to get stronger. You're not going to build muscle. you you maybe lose your teeth and get throat cancer if you mm. if you train so hard and puke every day, right? There's a certain threshold where you shouldn't be passing. Well, I would say exactly the only time a year is where you puke is on competition day. And most people don't even compete. They want to do fitness for health reasons uh, most of the time. They want to look good, feel good, lose some weight and, and build some muscle. So giving them that overview of those three energy systems where we could go in uh, in mm. in a moment um uh help help me to explain them what we actually do and, and why we're resting so much this is a two-part episode this is part one you're watching the second part will be released on thursday at 6 p.m uh bangkok thailand time 